G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're going to be talking all things Anzac and in some sense a little bit celebratory insofar as Anzac out of lockdown. And with memories of all those severe lockdowns and oppressive COVID restrictions over the past two years, Aussies from one side of the nation to the other are anticipating getting out and commemorating what many argue is Australia's most important day. Of course, this Monday is Anzac Day. It'll be a public holiday all around the nation. And we'll all be waiting to see if the momentum for dawn services and Anzac marches is back. We're all mindful of the challenging developments over the past year. The Taliban now holds totalitarian power in Afghanistan. Russia is, as we speak, invading Ukraine and now threatening nuclear war. And the latest headlines, China has a security pact with the Solomon Islands, with military commentators predicting a likely Chinese military presence in the South Pacific. Well, we're happy to talk all things Anzac today. You might have your own thoughts, past or present, Our special guest joining us through this hour, Cole Stringer, one of Australia's favourite authors and well known for his books 800 Horsemen, Fighting Mackenzie, The Anzac Spirit and his latest book called Billy. Uh, Cole Stringer, a special welcome back to 2020. Hey, thank you very much, Neil. Hey, Cole, we're talking about Anzac Day for the past two years. It's been pretty tough around the nation. Yes. And uh, those who've not been able to get out and march, those who've not been able to get out and enjoy a dawn service, a commemoration of uh, relatives who even lost their lives in war. Yes. Uh, Here we are. Monday is on the way. A new Anzac Day just ahead of us. Uh, You know, are we going to get that momentum back, do you think? I I believe we will. I mean, uh, Anzac is a very special day. Like, you can go anywhere you like in this nation, uh, anywhere you like, from the biggest city to the smallest town, and there'll be an Anzac ceremony there somewhere. I mean, from the largest to the smallest. Like, remember Gold Coast, before lockdown, we used to have 35,000 people down at Elephant Rock, 35,000 people for the dawn service. So I I, I believe, yes, I believe it's relevant, uh, you know, and uh, sadly, in our woke society today, like um, uh, that, want us all to be pacifists and ride push bikes and live in a cave or something like that, you know. But I, I believe, you know, like you said before, Jesus wasn't a pacifist. Paul wasn't a pacifist. He talks about fight the good fight of faith. He talks about salute your brother, the army of God. All of those are military terms. The only man that Jesus ever commended for his faith was a Roman army officer. And if it's so bad to stand up for your home and your family, Jesus sort of ticked him off big time. Instead of that, he holds him up as an example. He says, 
I've not found faith anywhere in Israel like this man. Well, you're raising some really uh, ticklish issues. Uh, when we start talking about a woke narrative for even the Anzac spirit, yep. uh, well, listeners might have their own contribution to how that looks to the Christian way of thinking, a biblical way of thinking. We might uh, enlarge on that a little as we go. Come back to some of the ways we've had to pivot. And uh, there's been a lot of uh, anti-government sentiment over those lockdowns that have happened yeah. over the past couple of years and especially around our Anzac Day. You yes. know, how dare you stop marches? Yes. How dare you stop diggers yes. going to the cenotaph and yes. remembering their fallen mates? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember, and last year, uh, you and I living in Queensland, uh, we didn't have the restrictions and we were able to be out on the street and be involved in marches last year. But uh, listeners in other parts of the nation were not able to do that. But I remember the year before, no one was allowed. That's and right. uh, we right. stood on our driveways yes. and we held a lit candle. That's and right. uh, yeah. that was the way we commemorated Anzac Day. Yep. Uh, those sorts of things, you know, they were hard to bear for some. Oh, definitely. Uh, funny, in our street, uh, like in my street at Spot the Aussie, like the most of them are from somewhere else. I got no problem with that, but you know, I thought, well, Anzac Day. I look across the road and here's the Sri Lankan family out the front, dressed in Aussie uniforms. The kids were, and they're playing the last post and everything. I, I went over and I just said, "Oh, can I take a photo?" I said, "This is great. This is amazing." They've only lived in the country, I think, ten years or something, and. Uh, but they're, they're passionate about our heritage, you know. Really, it's part of our heritage, our history. And uh, it saddens me that, it, you know, like as I say in our schools, with the woke teachers now, like I said to you before, this will get some response. I just got a, an email that says, teach your, your sons to be men before your teachers teach them to be girls. Okay, well, uh, there's, uh, <laughs> this is controversial stuff. But, but you know... Uh, there is a biblical foundation to this, yeah. uh, that we need to be teaching our sons to be men. That's right. Uh, and when there is a woke narrative, and interesting the way it might intersect with Anzac Day, uh, that uh, there is a certain sense in which some of our national manhood, the values that we have understood with those uh, the courage and the com camaraderie, right. yeah. uh, these are the sorts of things that have helped shape the spirit of who Australian men are. And so, in some sense, there's a bit of an attack on that. Oh, definitely. Well, if you go to Isharava, you know, Kokoda Trail, uh, where those young Aussies were taken on the undefeated Japanese armed forces, uh, the, the first defeat was not by Americans at Guadalcanal, it was by young Aussies at a place called Milne Bay. My, my dad fought at Milne Bay, but Kokoda, you know, and if you go to Isharava today, there's a monument to the Anzac spirit. It only says four words, courage, mateship, sacrifice, endurance. All of those are biblical principles. Uh, you stop and think about it, Neil. It's going to take courage. I, I believe that uh, the age we're moving into now, it's going to take some courage. We're going to have to stand up, speak up. I mean, as you say, with China, uh, all of these things, you know, that are storm clouds on the horizon you'd have to be a head in the sand or live in a cave to not see what what's coming down the road but courage really is not the absence of fear it's just suck it up and tough it out and do it if you've got to do it scared just do it scared and, and I, I i think anyway there's a real lack of courage in, in not only in the nation but even in our churches we're scared to say anything we're scared to stand up we're scared to be, 
because as soon as you do, I mean, all hell breaks loose. Hey, the little bit I get on Facebook, I know, my goodness me, like, you know, who needs enemies when you've got friends like this sort of thing, you know. And you think about the attack on Margaret Court for daring to stand up, you know, for families, uh, for Hillsong. Now, I'm not saying there's not some things, but hey, think of the wonderful things they did, the thousands of lives they touched, the people that would have been suicidal and drugs. I mean, now the Prime Minister, he can't even say anything, and he's attacked by the lefties and the greenies and woke, you know, and not only that, often attacked by even Christians themselves. You were talking about the lockdowns. Well, in hindsight, yeah, but, mate, you, who would wanted to be Prime Minister during those times? You couldn't have paid me enough money. I mean, we were going through uncharted waters. How about just a little bit of, you know, respect, a little bit of charity? Remember what Micah says, what is, what's required of a man to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? So, you know, I, I, what what can we learn? What... What can we? I go to schools all the time. What can we learn from our Anzac forefathers? I mean, what could they teach us today? They can certainly teach us something about courage. You know? Well, lest we forget, uh, this is a challenging thought, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, you know, we're uh, was it 107 years since uh, the first Anzac yeah. uh, day? Uh, the uh, the troops at Gallipoli. Uh, we learn those sorts of values. Uh, those sorts of character formations from the sorts of things that uh, that we remember. Yeah. So if we have an upset to our usual routine of remembering, uh, we might risk the thought that we could forget what we're supposed not to forget. Yes. So we do have to remember these things because they shape not only individuals, but they shape a national culture, a national uh, character. Well, we're, we're fast losing it. Like, I still believe that the, the, the thing that sums up the Anzac spirit more than anything is mateship. And that's a biblical principle. Jesus said in John fifteen thirteen, Greater love is no man than he lay down his life for his friends. It didn't say inconvenience himself. It said lay down his life. And we live in an age that's in love with their mirrors. I mean, you know, and I include myself. And doesn't Paul say the predominant sign in the last days? It won't be 666 and the stormtroopers are coming. It says men will be lovers of themselves. And we live in an age like, you know, how dare you say anything that I disagree with? Remember when we actually used to be able to have an opinion? When we went to school to be taught how to think, not what to think? And all of a sudden now it's, you know, all about I, me and my. I probably shared with you before, but I was reading Time magazine and the average person today takes 48 minutes of selfies a week. That's seven minutes a day of total narcissism. Uh, Don't you know what you look like yet? Remember when we used to take photos of other people? And the thing that I find, like my dad and the Anzacs, is that, you know, they were lifelong friends. My dad was only a Christian the last 10 years of his life. He was 96, but he still had friends from when he was in the armed forces. Lifelong friends. That if they needed money or they were going through a hard time, they, they would support each other. That's why on Anzac Day, the old friends get together. You know, really, and and Scripture talks about greater loves no man. I I saw T.D. Jakes, the great T.D. Jakes, Bishop T.D. Jakes, like, you know, 50,000 people. He's being interviewed on TV, and I thought this would be good. And they asked him, what would you like to be remembered for? Biggest church, biggest meetings? And he thought for one, he said, I'd like to be remembered as a loyal friend in an age of relationship deficits. He said, we don't even know what the word means anymore. 
I mean, mateship is a is a cliche, cute cliche, uh, you know, robbed by the politicians, by the media. We, we don't even know what the word means. It doesn't say inconvenience yourself. It says lay your life down. So you had diggers shoulder to shoulder in the trenches, and uh, we might have an image in our mind uh, what we think Gallipoli was like, but all of the other theatres of war where Aussies have served, and you've got mates side by side uh, fighting for one another, but fighting for a bigger cause. That's right. Because they were there fighting on behalf of what our nation said was oh, something worth fighting yeah. for. Uh, so there, there's a number of different dimensions here. There's the, that side-by-side, shoulder-to-shoulder mateship, but there's also the rising to a bigger cause. Let, let me read you from a quote here from my, my book on Anzac Spirit. It says here, this is a young man, 18 years old, on New Guinea, a Kokoda. I prayed a lot, I believe in prayer, and I'm my mum and dad are praying for me, and that helps a lot. And of course I've got my mates. When you've got good mates, you don't leave them. It's called a brotherhood. We got a message from Port Moresby yesterday, we're going to have to stay and fight to the death. 18 years old. I mean, think about that. When I was 18 years old, I was thinking about cars and girls, that's about it. It's horrifying, I thought, he says, when I'll never see my family again, I'll never see Australia again, but I'm prepared to stay here and fight to the finish because that's my responsibility as the man of the family. 18 years old. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316, talking all things Anzac. And you might have your own thoughts about past, in other words, history or your own family's involvement in Anzac, uh, of course, present situations, uh, even to Russia's invasion of Ukraine or a potential military presence in the South Pacific at the Solomon Islands from China. Well, 1-800-316-316, Cole Stringer, one of Australia's favourite authors and uh, has written some amazing books, especially around issues to do with Anzac, is our special guest. In fact, Cole, let's take some calls. Let's hear from Wayne in Albury-Wodonga. Hello, Wayne. Welcome along. How you going? Good, Wayne. What are your thoughts? Um, well, first, I'd want to thank Cole, because I've got most of your books um, Thanks, and Wayne. your DVD. It's fantastic. Um, and as an ex-white horseman um, of the current generation, I found them absolutely fascinating. Um, but my main point is we need to seriously pray for the Solomon Islands. I actually went on Operation Anode, which was the peacekeeping mission to the Solomon Islands, and such a beautiful country, but the culture there is... The, the, the internal fighting is horrific. I met a young man there that was... Um, we were actually playing golf, and he said, oh, thanks for being here, and we hired him as our caddy, and we thought, oh, yeah, he's just thanking us for being, you know, for hiring him as a caddy, and he said, no, my whole family has been wiped out because of the civil war that's going in the Solomon Islands. Yes. But their culture is so weak that if something strong like China comes in, they're just going to be totally devastated. Yeah. Wayne, thanks so much for good thoughts there. Cole, what are your uh, what are your response there for Wayne? Well, I agree with Wayne. I, I've got friends that go over there, you know, with the gospel. Uh, a Rhema church there was in Honiara, 
And uh, I, I agree with what he's say, saying. It, it, I just think they've come in, and uh, it's not. This is what I think anyway. And they've just bribed some of the officials with money because it was a secret deal. Most of the people aren't even aware of what's going on, and so, like he says, the Chinese, if they move in and with a strong arm, you know, it's going to be devastating for the local people. And, and instead of us pulling away, I think we need to get more involved, close, more closely involved with the Solomon Islands. What if we get, Wayne, your thoughts here, because, hey, an election is on the horizon only about a month away, and you've got criticism of both sides, uh, the Prime Minister, where there's uh, mm-hmm. criticism, why didn't you send the Foreign Minister to try and resolve this before yeah. it all got out of control? And then you've got uh, some headlines in the papers today. Uh, the Labor deputy leader uh, suggesting, well, you know, they can just do deals with whoever they want to. Uh, Wayne, what are your, I mean, you're obviously passionate about the Solomon Islands. How do you feel about that on both sides? Well, for one, the Solomon Islands, I was actually in the Solomon Islands during an election campaign over there. And we were actually told to be prepared to be going out on a patrol, depending on who won the election to escort the Prime Minister to go around and grab his bribes off the local communities to say who was going to get the funding from the government. So if you've got the internal politics of the Solomon Islands actually openly confessing they're willing to take bribes and they don't care about... um, their own people, they're more worried about their own money grabbing. You know, Australia is, can walk in there and say, yeah, we're going to help you as much as we want. But it, all it comes down to is the greed within their hearts. And when China comes along and says, oh, we'll, we'll promise you the world. Wayne, you're making some tremendous points here. And uh, I want to thank you so much for your contribution because uh, I think... You hit the nail on the head. Uh, The human heart is an issue here because uh, somebody offers you some shiny trinkets and you want to put your hand out and take those because they look good. Uh, Talking about dollars and uh, promises of investments. Cole, this is an issue of the human heart here and uh, we're seeing this play out in the Solomon Islands. Uh, which is renowned to be quite a Christianized uh, nation, a very Christianized nation. But uh, again, this temptation for money, or we we could describe it as mammon, as the Bible uh, talks about these things, uh, it's a temptation, isn't it? Oh, definitely. But, you know, even more scary, just to Solomon's, but think about Papua New Guinea, the other, I mean, I don't think China's just going to stop there. They were talking about building something, you know, on the southern end of, of uh, PNG, which is walking distance across the reef from Cape York. I mean, so this is just the start, I believe. Anyway, that's why I think we need courage to stand up now. And whatever, hey, whatever it's going to take, if you don't stand up now... What's going to happen in the future? Wayne, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. All things Anzac today. Let's take another call. Steve is in Chinchilla in Queensland. Hi, Steve. Welcome. Hey, how are you doing? Good, hey, Steve. Cole, I, I, I met you uh, at Bundaberg at the surf, City Surf Church or something a few years ago. It was oh, lovely okay. to meet you. Yeah. yeah. Do you do audio books of your books? <laughs> 
Not yet, we. <laughs> not I, not yet. I haven't. I'm not quite that advanced. Well, I'm, I'm a non-reader, but I'd love to hear. Yeah. So, so the other thing uh, you're talking about the Chinese, you know, moving into the Solomon Islands, like our Aussies are kicking up a stink about that. But most Aussies don't know that Chinese, the China, is, have a 99-year lease on the port of Darwin already. I know. And, I'm from Darwin. And, and, that's right, I know. Our naval, our naval base is in the Port of Darwin. Yep. And they also have a private airport in WA. Yeah. Like, the Chinese are already in Australia, and we're worrying about them being in the Solomons. Yes, no, the, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I was, how stupid can you be to lease support to a potential enemy? Well, in peacetime, or when there is no threat, there is certainly a temptation to build relations, and that might mean a crossover of investment. And uh, so those investments that have happened in Australia. But uh, there's a certain sense in which oil and water don't mix, mm. and uh, there is a atheism that is a foundation for communism. And in our own culture here in Australia, Cole, we've got a Christian uh, foundation if we go back to our yes. uh, our British heritage. Yes. So there is a sense here that uh, the oil and water don't mix, and you ought to be careful on relationships. Oh, definitely. Well, do you think the Chinese really like us at the moment? <laughs> well, that's right. Hey, Steve, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Dawn is in Portland in Victoria. Hello, Dawn. Dawn, are you with us? Hello, can you hear me? I can tell you there. Hello. Hey, is that Dawn, is it? Dawn, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah. Um, I just want to say down here at Portland, Anzac Day is really important to us, even when we're in lockdown. Everybody supported Anzac, and we have one of the most amazing displays, I'd say, in Australia. We make 40 or so, 400 or so wreaths laid down and a beautiful floral display, and the whole town is involved. Um, and... And Dawn, Dawn, are you a part of helping to prepare for that, or are you a are you a usual uh, you know turn out and support on the day? We all support a lot of the floral art, and we gather all the flowers, and the botanical gardens grow all the dahlias, and then um, there's a big rising sun floral carpet, and usually one of the battalions they have um, their uh, mascot, which is all done out of flowers on the lawn, and then. I remember early in the years, I was so tired after working on the day before and I didn't want to get up for the dawn service and my kids said, come on, Grandpa sat in the trenches in Kokoda. Come on, Grandma, get up. Mm. So Anzac Day to us is important to um, remember my dad and all my uncles. Dawn, uh, wonderful, you. wonderful to hear from you. Uh, Cole, your thoughts for Dawn? No, I think that's good. Uh, remembering, you know, the sacrifice of our, our parents, our, our dads, our granddads. And uh, 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 I think Anzac Day is a wonderful time to unite us as a country. Uh, Aboriginal people, uh, Asian, Australians, all of them. It gives us a basis to come together rather than divide us. We can come together because our fathers, our grandfathers fought together, maybe even died together. So it gives us a basis to live together. 
Dawn, while yeah, I've got you there, uh, past couple of years, Portland uh, in Victoria, you've been under pretty severe lockdowns uh, through the last two Anzac days. So are you fearful that some of the momentum might be lost? Uh, what are your feelings about um, your own community? No, never. Um, when we were in lockdown, everyone um, built big poppies and put them on their lawn. And at the dawn service, we all stood out. And those that could play the last post or the valley, all up the street, there was little lights and candles and people with their houses decorated to remember Anzac. Not lost. Wonderful stuff, Dawn. Thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Let's squeeze in one more call before the news. Richard is in Alstonville in New South Wales. Hi, Richard. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts? Um, uh, G'day. Uh, I just want to say thank you, Cole, for your ministry and, and how you bless people and um, put focus on you know the things like Anzac Day, what's important, you know, laying down your life and... and um, um, yeah, just giving up in sacrifice for others. And I, and I just wanted to quickly say as well, um, I've done missions in, in like areas like Timor and, and, um, um, Papua New Guinea as, as well. And, um, I agree with you that the impact of the Chinese, you know, with Belt and Road and that is something that, that we really need to be praying into that God moves in that moves in that way. Yes, yeah, for sure. Richard, Certainly. thanks so much for your call. Very quick response, Cole. Uh, I agree. We need to be praying about it for sure. And I think we need to be standing up and speaking about it too rather than just letting all the, the woke and the left and, you know, dominate. We need to be standing up and speaking up. Cole, we'll take some more calls in just a few moments, but I wonder whether we might just come back to some biblical principles and the things we're talking about, uh, because as a Christian leader, a preacher, as an author, there are biblical principles around Anzac and the sorts of ways that Christian characters also shaped. But let me just pose a question to you a little bit like this. Does the Christian learn from the Anzacs or do the Anzacs learn from the biblical, say, Judeo-Christians? I think we can learn from each other, actually. Uh, certainly, I believe that, uh, you know, as I say, Anzac spirit, courage, mateship, sacrifice, endurance. But mateship is a biblical principle. Um, like in Timothy, Paul writes this, uh, first Tim- sorry, uh, um, Second Timothy chapter 1, Verse 15, he says, This you know that all in Asia have turned away from me. So everybody's left him, abandoned him. He says, Among those are Phagelis and Hermogenes. But then he says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus. Who the heck's Anisiphorus? His name's in the Bible forever. Never heard of the bloke, you know. It says, For he often refreshed me, was not ashamed of my chain. When he arrived in Rome, he sought me up very zealously and he found me. The Lord grant to him that he might find mercy in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me, it says, in Ephesus. So you get to heaven. Here's Anisiphorus and the other one, Ephrodites. How come your name's in the Bible? Big church? No, no church. Well, how come your name's there? And I believe they'd probably say, well, maybe I kept the Apostle Paul in ministry when everybody else walked away. Now, the classic, I believe, though, is David and Jonathan. I mean, you know, in First uh, Samuel chapter 18, you got a bloke here that still stinks a sheep dip that becomes lifelong friends with the 
the next in line for the throne. It says there um, that they became lifelong friends. Uh, and so it was when they'd finished speaking, Saul, the son of Jonathan, was knit to the soul of David and loved him as his own soul. They made a covenant because he loved him. And it says here, goes on, you know, and so their souls are knit together. And later on, you remember, you know, Jonathan's killed in combat. And David says, uh, he says in Second Samuel chapter 9, is there anyone left of the household of Saul that I might show kindness for Jonathan, my friend's sake? So true friendship goes beyond the grave. Remember, Mitshibetheth, he brings him in. Now, he's the threat to David's throne. And he says, you know, in the Aussie vernacular, I'll restore everything you lost. Put your feet under my table. You lead at my table. I'll treat you as my son, not because of who you are, but because of my love for your father. Because of this mateship, this camaraderie, uh, we are going to show favour not only to our current generation, but the generation that is the offspring of those who we fight alongside, those who yeah. we are shoulder to shoulder with in the trenches. That's right. And uh, we prefer one another and we look out for the needs of one another. That's why hey, legacy. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Uh, all things Anzac today. Let's take another call. Barbara is in Hope Valley in South Australia. Hi, Barbara. Welcome. Hello. Yes. Um, I'm in a, a retirement village and um, on Anzac Day we gather on the lawn here and um, commemorate those fallen. Um, yeah, I just I, I just love going to it because uh, my mother was in the Army Medical during the war and my dad was in the Navy, and um, yeah, um, my dad was actually up in Darwin, so I've heard a bit about Darwin this morning. Um, I got to go up there in 2014, and it was somebody brought up about the Chinese having access there, and I saw that. But my dad uh, told a story, if I could just tell this. Um, he was about 22 years of age at the time. He was on a ship in the harbour. When he was off duty, he used to sit under a certain palm tree. And he told the story many years later how this particular morning he decided not to sit under that palm tree. Um, he felt that, um, in hindsight, that God had actually led him. Um, and he went down, was directed to go down on the beach. And, um, and, and as he was down there, these ships came in from, uh, not ships, sorry, these aeroplanes came in from the south and he thought, this will be our boys coming home from patrolling the islands for the Japanese. And um, next thing he said, all hell broke loose and they just were bombing and it was the Japanese. And when my dad, his ship was one of the ones that was sunk, um, but when he went back up onto the foreshore when it was all over, the tree that he would have been sitting under has had been bombed out of the ground, and um, yeah, he that was one of the things that really brought him to um, come to the Lord later when um, he married my mum when he was twenty four. Yeah, Barbara, wonderful yeah. story, and oftentimes uh, we'll try and explain away the providence of God and the way these things happen, but. Uh, your family is uh, reliant on the fact that there's a miracle happened there. Yeah, that's uh, right. Cole, your thoughts for Barbara? Hey, Barbara, I can relate to what you're talking about. 
Um, yeah. Darwin was bombed, uh, you know, uh, more than Pearl Harbor was. It was bombed uh, some 70-odd yeah. times. And uh, often we forget that. So you've got a great uh, heritage there to remember in your dad and your mum. Yes. Yes, thank you. Barbara, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. You might have your own thoughts. You might have a story to share. We're talking all things Anzac today, including the fact that there is a changing impression in some uh, that we might even call a woke narrative around Anzac Day. And I wonder, Cole, you've got a a thought or two on this, uh, the way that a woke narrative looks, the thought of, you know, maybe uh, we're all too intelligent now and we don't go to war like they used to in the days gone by. Any thoughts here? Yeah, how's that working for you now? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, because, uh, yes, the, all of these things that have happened, even as I've described over the past year, yeah, one year, uh, right. these things can go to custard very quickly. Well, I mean, even think about it. Last war, China was on our side. Japan was our enemy. Now, Japan's our ally, possibly against Japan, uh, against China. You, you know, it's sort of, it, it's a scary world. It really is. And I, I know we've said before, but I really think we're gonna. It's going to require courage, you know, to live a Christian life, to even stand up, speak up. But I, if I could just go back for a minute, that mateship. I think that's the thing that binds us together. We could hold us as a nation, uh, not just in the Anzacs. Like we see it in for those in real life. Like my wife, she won't like me saying this, but uh, a few years ago, one of her best friend was dying of cancer. So she goes to the hospital to visit her friend and uh, she's alone. So she rang me up and she's crying. She said, my friend's dying. She's dying on her own. Where's the family? So she said, I'm not coming home, honey. She said, uh, I asked the doc, can I stay here? Can you wheel another bed into the ward? If I've got to pay, okay. Oh, meals. She said, because if my friend dies, I don't want her dying on her own. So she rang me three o'clock in the morning. She said, my friend's just gone to heaven. We're sitting holding hands. She said, it shouldn't be like this. Where's the family? Like, you know, it's a very selfish society, unfortunately. You know, and as I say, Jesus said, greater love is no man than he laid down his life, not just inconvenience, lay down his life. I remember my mum and dad, um, they were well in their 90s. They'd been married 74 years. And I said to my dad, how do you stay married to the same person for 74 years? He said, just learn to be less selfish. See, that would halve the divorce rate, just one thing alone. Just learn to be less selfish. And I think in this woke generation, it's all about me, my, you know, the greenies. Uh, I feel the love's going to be coming now, you know. Better but, hold you up on that. <laughs> but let me, let me ask you, though, uh, there is a sense in which in these past wars of the last century and a bit more, uh, we have seen that mateship of mm. uh, that camaraderie that even said that before we sign up, we'll sign up together. We'll yeah, go right. off to war. We'll fight for the bigger cause. Uh, with a woke narrative around uh, me, 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 all about self, do you think a Australian generation today that is influenced by some of this woke narrative would even say, uh, I would stand up and I would fight and I would die for my country? Well, interesting you say that. Now, this is not my figures. I read only recently they did a survey of the young people. One third said that they would not fight in a way if Australia was being invaded, they'd leave the country. Now, that's not me. 
Check it up for yourself. That's the survey they did. 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation. Let's take another call. James is in Kyabram in Victoria. Hi, James. Welcome. Hey, Neil. Hey, Cole. Hey, Neil. Um, how are you going? Cole, you might remember me. We've met a few times, but I've been very privileged. I've met some really um, incredible characters. There's a guy that you may never have heard of called Arthur Dunstall. Yes. He's the man that helped us win, win the Second War. You have heard of Arthur Dunstall? Oh, definitely, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he was a, he was a decoder and a radiographer, um, and if it wasn't for him, there were so many uh, things that he endeavoured to do, but I, I've met other men privileged to have met um, Cliff McGlynn. He flew Lancasters over, the, over Germany 28 times when no other craft had gone over it more than 13. He did 28 flights. He wasn't proud of what he did. He knew that women and children were being bombed, but he was doing what he was assigned to do. And I, and I see in this age, you know, with technology, even Cole, someone asked you before, I think they asked if you had e-books and stuff, trying to get involved with these things like the ACL or contactors. We need you to contact this politician. You only get given a couple of days to do it and, and you're trying to go for a job interview or working or doing something and it sort of goes past and you say oh I've missed that and, and something's gone past in the uh, I'm so glad the Prime Minister said something the other day about not allowing people to get fined over just saying the wrong thing and everything but I, I, I want to encourage like when I was young I was working in a job but I thought I was always looking somewhere else I wanted to be out driving a tractor instead of sitting in an office but I didn't realise how important someone like Arthur Dunstall decoding and doing these things even my friend john he's my mentor he 40 years was the rsl was a vietnam veteran chaplain and uh just his influence on his life i'm trying to understand heritage because i never met my father he was taken out before i've had a chance to meet him um but i just i just praise you for what you're saying and what you what the work you've done cole i think my family were in the left wing of the uh light horse brigade and i can't prove that but um, I was proud when a man t- explained it to me. He said, oh, you're a barrier. They were in the left wing, so we weren't in the main charge. But James, yeah, to- lots of great things you're sharing there, but let me just come back to something here and get Cole's thoughts here because you've got some wonderful experiences having personally met yeah. uh, some of the diggers who held very important responsible positions in defending our nation. Mm. Uh, it's important, isn't it, Cole? And some people perhaps don't do this because we are all very individualistic. We turn out to, to a an Anzac march or a dawn yeah. service. There are diggers there, but we're reluctant to go and shake their hand, uh, maybe to hear their story. Any thoughts here about how valuable it is to hear a story face-to-face from a digger and know that that person has uh, reflected something of the character that you're wanting to aspire to? Oh, definitely. Some of the characters that I had a chance to interview before they died, you know, leave a lasting impression on you. I mean, it really does. And uh, sadly, like I say, a lot of that's gone. Uh, one of the characters I love is Weary Dunlop and Second World War, and he's talking about in Japanese prisoner war camps. And he says, I'm walking down through the hospital, and here's an American dying, but he's dying on his own. And here's a, an Englishman, a Dutchman, dying uh, berry, berry, uh, dysentery, whatever, on their own. He said, but here's an Aussie. He's dying, but four of his mates are there, and they're washing him down and saying, come on, Cobber, you can't die. You still owe me three quid. You know, and this man, I saw him interviewed on the ABC and he was crying. He said, I'm alive because my friends wouldn't let me die. He said they were going under the wire to steal a chook or an egg or something. He said, you know, he said, I told him, I'm in pain. Leave me alone. He said, no, we came in together. We go out together. But a lot of this comes back, Neil, to the way that young people are brought up. Train up a child in the way. 
if we if we grow up, it's all about me and I and my and you know that's the way we're going to be. But if you grow up in a large family, my dad came in twelve kids, first up, best dressed, one with the longest arm, ate the most, sleep in the bed with six kids, half wet to bed, the other half turned out to be great swimmers, yeah. you know. <laughs> but you don't yeah. grow up selfish, it, you know. It, it's a family, and 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 hey. Christianity is supposed to be a family, the family of God. And sometimes hardship uh, and economic times help that to come out more than uh, when you're in good economic times. And if you've got plenty, uh, you don't necessarily go through those hardships and you don't feel like you need to share and look out for uh, others' uh, uh, welfare. Thank you, James, for your call. And uh, 1-800-316-316 still may be time for another call. Let me ask you quickly about the thought that if there were another war today, uh, some of the things we've talked about have alluded to, you know, how we might respond there. A modern war might look different to wars gone by. Uh, Some would say, you know, even economic uh, challenges and economic warfare can happen. Cyber war, uh, robots, uh, drones in the air. So uh, people feel as though they can just sort of get out of the way and let the experts who are running the the drones or the cyber challenges uh, actually do that. But a modern war might look different, except if you look at Russia's invasion of Ukraine now, tens of thousands of people have died, and that's been street combat. That's right. How do you get away from missiles, rockets... I mean, they're indiscri- indiscriminately, just total indiscriminately. So, hey, uh, as I said before, you know, we are moving into a scary time, I believe. That's why I so, I think we desperately need courage, leaders with courage. That'll, you know, can I just quickly mention, because before you go, you, you gave me the okay, but, you know, our books, we've been, because I believe the younger generation really have to, you know, where they're going to learn it. And so we put uh, 3,000 of these books, Anzac Spirit, Fighting McKenzie, 800 Horsemen, into the schools ourselves. If there's anybody else out there that would just like to contribute, I'm not, I don't want to make a profit out of it. It's purely cost, and we put them into schools ourselves. So, uh, 3,000. Can I just say this? I've only ever been turned down by one librarian in a school, and she, she reckons she wasn't a communist. I think she was slightly left to Mao Zedong. But she said, I'm not putting that stuff in, in my library. And I said, lady, I said, this is supposed to be a free country. I said, all I'm asking you to do is let the kids decide for themselves. Stick it in the library and let them decide for themselves whether they read it or they don't read it. So she did. I didn't say we're going to pray over the books. <laughs> before. But we get letters all the time from young people. And I, I, I strongly, we have to invest in the next generation. Uh, earlier on, uh, you said, teach your boys to be men before teachers teach them to be girls. Uh, and uh, important, and if you think through that issue pretty carefully about some of the things that are going on uh, with the way our society is changing now, those sorts of books on the shelves in school libraries uh, would be a real benefit. And uh, and, I mean, and there's a certain sense Uh, Kids will pick up a book and they may read it cover to cover. Mm. They may also just be impacted by the cover design and the image and the the, uh, title of your book. So, yes, uh, my encouragement is to connect with Cole Stringer. 
you might be able to help out in a way that can get those books into school libraries around Australia. And uh, maybe it's uh, with a financial contribution, uh, maybe it's some support uh, for approaching libraries to make that happen. Let me encourage listeners too that some of the books we're talking about today available in the Vision Store. That's right. Uh, you can get those, vision.org.au, and go to the store. Link There'll be a link there. Uh, books like 800 Horsemen or Fighting Mackenzie, The Anzac Spirit, and Cole's latest book is called Billy. And I know you've got another one on the way too. Uh, something's on the boil. Uh, we'll probably get to talk about that. I don't know whether you want to let us in on any hints about uh, what you're writing about, Cole. Uh, can we leave it to another We'll day? leave it for another day, okay? <laughs> it's not all finished yet. So uh, we'll get an opportunity to talk about that uh, very uh, soon. Can I uh, read the scripture yes. before we go? Yes. You know, because people ask, you know, you're glorifying war. No, no, we're not. You're just giving honour where honour's due. And, uh, uh, you know, we need to quote scripture. So Nehemiah, I love Nehemiah, the heritage of his nation's in ruins for 150 years. And God speaks to him in Nehemiah chapter 4. And so he says, there, verse 13, I position men, not teenagers, not boys, men, you know, behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. I set the people according to their families with their spears, with their bows, and I looked and I rose and I said to the leaders and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them, there's courage. Remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your brothers and fight for your sons and fight for your daughters and fight for your wives and your homes. Current vernacular, I put the young men in front of their own families and I said, whether we live, whether we die, depends on whether you got the guts to fight. And if you won't fight for any other reason, fight for your sons and your daughters and your homes and your families. That's Bible. That's Bible, and uh, you know there's lots more to be said on that, and no doubt uh, we'll unpack all sorts of things in coming times as things heat up around the world and even in our own neck of the woods uh, in this South Pacific. Cole Stringer, one of Australia's favourite authors. You can connect with Cole. He has a website too, colestringer.com, colestringer.com. And uh, certainly to be involved in that project, getting some of those books into school libraries, colestringer.com. Cole, wonderful getting your insights once again. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.